knows the scariest thing about being a parent? The fact that the world's probably going to have another one of me in it for the next 70 to 80 years. You ever think about that? That's horrible, isn't it? To just think you're recreating yourself. I'm thinking to myself, that, that's not a good plan. Who came up with that strategy? Kind of look at your kids sometimes and you wonder, where did they get that from? And you walk in and look at the mirror. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. We recreate ourselves. In parenting, we basically create miniature us. It's not just true in parenting, though, in the biological world. Managers recreate themselves. You build a department of people that are like you. When you spend time with people, you become like those people. And so as we're spending a couple of weeks here, we're spending a couple of weeks under this theme of pursuing health. The reason that we're talking about pursuing health is because Christians are in the business of reaching out to people, noticing the one that's in our path. And if we recreate who we are and we're in the people business, we better make sure that we ourselves are healthy so that we're recreating healthy people. And so that's why we're spending some weeks talking about pursuing health because as we're pouring into people, we got to be careful that what? We're recreating health. We're not recreating unhealth or people that are going to hurt others. So that's why we're spending some weeks pursuing health. I just wanted to review really quickly the definition from last Sunday of health. We are healthy when our whole being reflects the character and purposes of God. So last week we looked at a variety of scripture passages starting in Genesis 1 and then Jesus talking about loving him with our whole heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. This whole idea that our whole being was created to love God. And so we're healthy when our whole being honors, reflects the purposes of God. This morning we're going to continue with this general overarching theme of pursuing health. The next couple of weeks then we're going to get into specifics. So next Sunday, Doyle's going to teach us on pursuing health in our relationships. And then the Sundays after that, we're going to talk about pursuing health and other specific elements of our life. And so this morning is going to be one more broad message to get us kind of focused on the overarching theme of what it means to be healthy. So I invite you, if you do have a Bible, to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with the 12th verse. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with the 12th verse. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. 
flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask that you take this word this morning and nurture our hearts. We ask that you take this word and accomplish in our lives what you desire to accomplish. We pray that your word would change us, comfort us, correct us. We pray that your word would have the final say in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. How many food separatists do we have among us this morning? You know what I mean, right? Those who need separate compartments on your plate for the different food items you have. You can't let your corn touch your potatoes. Or the worst, right? The absolute worst is morning breakfast. The syrup leaking onto the bacon should never happen. It's food separatism. I look at that as a good thing. And I wish that all of life contained plates like we had back in elementary cafeteria. Food separatism is a good thing, but most of us in this world and a lot of people in society and the church have entered into something I would call spiritual separatism. What's happened is we've separated out in our lives different areas, and we've called this spiritual and this unspiritual. And along with that, we've entered into this dangerous territory of separating the physical realm from the spiritual realm, and then saying the spiritual realm is over here under the authority of God, and the physical realm over here is under our authority. And in the midst of that, even with our own bodies and ourselves, we've separated the soul from the body. And we've placed all this emphasis on the soul and very little on the body. This morning we come to an interesting scripture passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where God basically declares this amazing truth, basically saying, Everything belongs to God. Your body and your spirit both belong to God. That you cannot do something in the body and expect that it does not affect the spirit. Because God owns both. God wants to be honored in both. And so as we pursue health, we have to keep in mind this morning when we're pursuing health, we're not just talking about pursuing health in the soul area and neglecting the physical realm. God wants to be honored in the physical realm. There's this amazing combination of the two. I want to spend a few moments unpacking here in 1 Corinthians 6 to help us kind of reframe our thinking a little bit. Because again, in America especially, and for the last 150 years or so, we've really separated the soul from the body. And it's been a dangerous, dangerous teaching for a variety of reasons. But let's look at this here in 1 Corinthians 6 to try and reframe our thinking. So, the Corinthians basically have these different ways of thinking about life. And so you'll look here in verse 13 with me for a minute. And it says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. So basically what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's saying back to the Corinthian church what he's hearing from them. Because what he's hearing from them is he's saying, he's hearing them say, well, the body doesn't matter, food doesn't matter that we put in the body, because guess what? 
Both are going to be destroyed at the end of the day. So we can do whatever we want with our body because guess what? It's going to be destroyed just like food. And so Paul hears that. He knows that that's a common teaching, but he responds then by saying, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Check, check this out. The, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. However, the body is exists for the Lord and the Lord for the body. In other words, God is for our physical being. See, what's happened over the last couple of decades is that we've created this mindset that the physical body is a cage for our souls. And this is seen big time. I know this is really touchy. This is, I'm walking on soft ground here in a minute, but this is just central teaching of Christianity. I've been around a lot of death. I've stood by a lot of dead bodies at the moment of death. I've been with a lot of families at the moment that someone dies. And, and at that moment, there's a lot of people then that just take this big, deep breath. And are like, oh, everything's good now because they're with Jesus. Okay, hear me very carefully on this. That's true that their spirit is in the presence of God but they are still not yet in fullness for eternity because there is still death. It's not like at that moment it's like, oh, finally got rid of this cage. No, no, no. This cage is something God created. When I say the word human, when the Bible says human in Genesis 1, it's not saying soul or spirit. It's saying human, body, mind, spirit, soul, the whole being. When we say human, we mean the whole being. And so when there's death, it's true that there's this release of the spirit that, that rests in the presence of God until that body experiences the bodily resurrection. But it's still not in fullness yet. So what happens in our mindset is this, is that the soul is now in the full presence of God. So what? I don't need the resurrection anymore which just minimizes the whole Bible because the Bible is built on one thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, there would be no Bible. Those 12 people that were following Jesus originally, they, they would have dispersed and been gone. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the lifting up of the soul over the body were minimizing the ultimate victory of Jesus, and the ultimate victory that you and I have in the future. I realize there's a bundle of mystery involved in all of this. But my whole point is this, recognizing by the elevation of the soul, an outworking of that is sometimes we minimize the physical being here right now. When in reality, God cares about the physical being right here, right now. He created it. He desires to be honored by all of it. God is for the body. And then look with me here in 1 Corinthians 6, what he follows up with next in verse 14. His argument against the Corinthians is he says, and God raised the Lord and will raise us up by his power. Again, the whole point is the resurrection. He says the body matters. Why? Because the body's going to be resurrected. This is your hope. This is our hope. Resurrected bodies in an everlasting kingdom forever. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. We minimize the great Christian hope 
by elevating the soul over the body. When in reality, the Christian hope covers both. Hope for the soul and hope for the body. God's word is saying, hey, 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 hey. The food and, and the body are, yes, they are going to, to disappear momentarily. But guess what? There's going to be a resurrection. Get ready. Get excited for the resurrection. And so we have to recognize that God is for the body, that our ultimate hope is a physical resurrection. And then people often turn to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10 that we read earlier. In Matthew 10, Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says to them, do not fear the one who, can cast your, who can't touch your soul. And so people are like that. They respond, well, hey, right there, look, Jesus is concerned about the soul, not your physical well-being. But notice what he says next in Matthew 10. He says, don't fear the one who has no power over your soul. He says what? Fear the one who has power over your soul and your body. Soul and your body. Because human being is the whole thing. Jesus is the one with authority over both. He can bring resurrection to both. Very simply stated, God has not abandoned his creation, but rather he has entered into creation. If you want the ultimate proof that Jesus, God, cares about our physical well-being, just go to the birth of Jesus Christ. If it was all about our souls and our spirits, why would he come in the physical realm at all? Why not just come down on a little Jetson, one of those little hovercrafts, as a spirit, and just kind of hover over everything and, and grab all of the spirits and take them away? But God enters into humanity in the real flesh to experience what we've experienced, to suffer in the flesh on our behalf, and to have a physical resurrection on our behalf. God has not abandoned creation. God has entered into creation and redeemed creation. Your body is important to God. And it builds to this ultimate statement about our bodies. Just think for a moment. If I told you when you're leaving here today, I said, hey, I want to let you know the President of the United States is coming to visit Sioux Falls next week. And your house has been chosen to be the rental for him to stay for one week. Now, I know some of you are like, I don't want him at my house. Okay, that's a different issue, okay? Okay. But as a president of the United States, it's like, I'm coming, I'm going to stay at your house. I'm pretty certain some of you would be cleaning some places in your home that you've never cleaned previously. You'd be a big deal, right? You'd be like, wow, my house is a big deal. This guest room, that's a big deal. Okay, that's the president of the United States. It's building now in 1 Corinthians 6 to this amazing statement. Your body is the dwelling place, not for a temporary human leader, but is the dwelling place for the spirit of the living God. It says it right here at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? That's the ultimate statement of value about your physical being is that God would come and inhabit your physical being. He'd be present with you. There's this amazing mystery here that, that if I cut you open today, literally, I don't find the Spirit of God. I, I don't see the Spirit of God. So there's this amazing mystery, though, that God words, God's Word proclaims, though, that the Spirit is present with us, 
fully in us and among us. How much value does your body have if the living God is living in you and among you? There can't be a more value statement than that, than the Creator saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to reside with you. That's the very promise, that God is with you, that God is in you. Therefore, he says what? Honor God with your bodies. Because everywhere you go with your body, guess what? God is with you. You're a big deal. Your physical being is a big deal created by God for God. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So what are the implications of all of this? That God cares for our well-being. That God has not abandoned creation. I want to share with you this morning two implications of this. First is this. Care for your body, not obsess about your body. Care for your body, not obsess about your body. C.S. Lewis, uh, a great teacher, had a, had a great teaching, and, he's, and he talked about what Satan wants to accomplish in our lives. And so C.S. Lewis would teach that Satan's great hope is that he'd get us going to different extremes. So Satan would get us to buy into one extreme or leave that extreme and go to the other extreme. And this is especially true here when it comes to our physical bodies. We buy into two extremes. On one extreme, we buy into this, that I am what I look like, that my security, my confidence, my value, and my worth comes from my outward appearance. That's one extreme we go to, that my body and the, and, and the physical appearance of my body determines my worth and value. This is sold in our culture over and over and over again, right? Why else? They, they use beauty they use beauty to sell everything, right? That something that has absolutely nothing to do with it. They use it to sell because there's an underlying message that they know is grabbing you. That underlying message is this. Your value is by your appearance. That's the extreme of where we would go this morning in obsessing over our bodies that we get more confidence, we get more security by our outward appearance. The other extreme that we go to, though, is the Corinthian extreme that says this. Well, it's all going to decay anyhow, so who cares? As much joy as possible. Both extremes are dishonoring to God. This extreme over here says what? That God doesn't care what you're doing with your physical body. This extreme over here is this. You're being mastered by someone, something other than God himself. Because when you're obsessed with your body, you're saying this. When I look a certain way, when I feel a certain way, I'm going to have more confidence and more security. Who's God at that moment? Not God. Not God. So when we obsess over our bodies, that which we obsess, all of a sudden what? In this weird way, begins to obsess over us and becomes our God. So, so scripture, if we just implemented scripture, would encourage us this morning to, to care for our bodies, but not obsess over our bodies. Now, now, the physical realm is this mysterious thing that there's just this amazing beauty, yet amazing mystery. And we have to remember that in the physical realm, there's brokenness as well. That for this morning, there's much hurt in many of our hearts this morning 
because of physical illness and physical ailment. That which has robbed many lives. We don't know exactly why and how. We know this, though, is that when creation fell into sin, it didn't just affect the spiritual realm, it affected everything. That nothing was operating the way it was supposed to operate any longer. And so there's this physical brokenness in our world. And we recognize that we cannot care for everything that ails us. That our ultimate hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is what conquers everything and gives us perfection for eternity. And so we live with that mystery. Yet in that mystery, we would still do well to care for what we've been given. And so this morning, I'm not a health expert. Many of you can probably attest to that. I'm not a health expert, right? I, I don't study health books. That's just boredom central. I study the Bible. And the Bible does say two things that I think apply really, I don't, not I think, they do apply right to our physical well-being. The Bible actually talks about sleep. In Proverbs, it talks about sleep. Okay, the sleep is a good thing. For some of you this morning, the best thing, the most spiritual thing you can do today is this. Go take a nap. Now, some of <laughs> I knew we were going to get an amen there, right? Hey, sleep's not a bad thing. If you think that you can exist on no sleep and that's not going to affect the health of your soul and your spirit, you're crazy this morning. You're absolutely absurd. Talk to any doctor, any doctor, and also talk to any pastor because they'll cover the spiritual and the physical. Everybody's going to agree. They directly interrelate with one another. Are you caring for your physical well-being? Here's the thing about sleep. When you don't sleep, you're saying to God, God, you need my work more than my physical body needs rest. So you're actually distrusting God. God commands sleep. The other thing that God commands in the scriptures is God commands this concept of the principle of the Sabbath, one of the Ten Commandments. Take the seventh day, rest. Okay? There's a physical element to that of God laying out for the nation of Israel at that time. Hey, rest. Because remember, that was all manual labor. There was no buttons that everybody was pushing. They were all picking up rock. They were turning over dirt. They were working. So that seventh day, that, that time of rest, there's that spiritual element of taking time for worship, but there's that physical element of actually resting from our work. Why, why would God give those commands? Because he cares about our physical well-being. This morning, are you caring for your body? So here, here's the action step. Now this can, again, get carried away big time. The action step is this. Is care for your health, not the visibility. Care for your health, not the visibility. Our confidence and our security does not come from our appearance. Because that comes from our identity in Jesus Christ, that we belong to Christ. But we exercise, we take care of our body so that what? So that we can be productive citizens of God working on his behalf. And so I would encourage you to take a very action step. That's this. Is what can you do to care for your body that's going to increase your productivity, your energy for the kingdom of God? Or the second thing that some of you need to do, care for your body. Now this is touching on soft ground. 
Some of you need to care for your body by releasing something that has mastery over your body. Right? Some of you can't go without something. Okay, if you cannot go without something, let me tell you what that is. Idolatry. Look back up with me here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. If you can't go without something for days, weeks, you need to face the reality that that which you can't go without is your master. This happens to all of us all the time. This is the danger. Let's speak to something very specifically that is just ruining our culture. I have nothing against alcohol. Okay, let's make that. I have nothing against alcohol. I drink alcohol, okay? Some of you may have a problem with that or not. I drink alcohol. There's no problem with alcohol. Guess what, though? Alcohol is costing our country billions of dollars. Alcohol is ruining millions of families. The problem is not alcohol itself. The problem is that alcohol becomes the new master. It tells you when and where. And when it masters you, you have no control left at all. It's not just alcohol. It's all over the map in food and drink, that which is mastering us. It doesn't just master us in the physical realm. It's also mastering our checkbook. Now I hit really where it hurts, right? That $6.50 coffee, addicted, that's not just bad for the body, that's bad for the checkbook. It's a master over us. So are you willing to acknowledge reality of anything or something that has mastery over your physical body? I'd encourage you this one practical step is this, this next week. Acknowledge one thing you can do physically to care for your being. Think of it this way. What can you do physically this next week to care for the temple of God? If I asked for some volunteers today and said, hey, next Saturday is a big deal. I need some volunteers because next Saturday at 10 a.m., Jesus is flying over. Jesus is going to land here in Sioux Falls, and he's actually going to come here to King of Glory. I was wondering, hey, could I have a couple of volunteers that would help clean next Saturday to get ready for Jesus at 10 a.m.? Do you think we'd have any trouble getting volunteers? Everybody would show up, right? Let's clean. The boss is coming. I got news for you. Jesus isn't coming here next Saturday at 10 a.m. Jesus is going home with you today. So what are you and I doing today to care for the temple of the Holy Spirit? So again, I want to encourage you, care. Now let's spend a few moments also understanding not obsess. We are looking to the outward for our value when it can be an endless chase. Think of it this way. I love playing tag with my kids, right? Because you can kind of go a certain speed, and then as they catch up, what do you do? You speed up a little bit, right? So they, so they never catch you. You just kind of keep increasing your speed. It's a beautiful thing. They're on an endless chase that what? 
at some point will fatigue them. <laughs> Do you know that the same exact thing is going on for many of us emotionally, mentally, and physically? We are in an endless chase for that which we believe will bring us value and worth. We see it all of the time. We, I could just take you to story after story of famous person who, when you look at them physically, you're like, how could they possibly, how could they possibly have any low self-esteem about their physical well-being? But what happens? They get to one element where they think they should be at physically, and what happens? Someone tells them it's not enough. you got to get to the next step. And guess what? Then when they get to that step, someone tells them it's not enough. you got to get to the next step. It's an endless chase. Some of us are in an endless chase for value and worth from fleeting things. When in reality, our value and our worth comes from one thing. That's belonging to God. The fact that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You should be working on your physical well-being from a place of confidence that says, I'm working on my physical health, not for value or worth. I'm working on my physical health for productivity and purity for the kingdom of God. If this morning your level of confidence is directed by your appearance, that's a warning sign. If you just want to take a quick little quiz this morning and examine your own heart, ask yourself this. Do I have more confidence when I wear this versus when I wear that? It means your appearance is in a place of God. Because our confidence and our security flows from God alone. God is encouraging us today to care for our body, not obsess about our body. Second implication of understanding that God wants to be honored with our whole being is this is we need to acknowledge the presence and the purposes of God wherever you are. Being in a healthy place is recognizing that there's not just a spiritual realm that God wants to be honored in. Everything is the spiritual realm where God wants to be honored. How many of you drive differently? I want to see hands. How many of you drive differently when a local law enforcement officer is driving behind you? Those of you who do not have your hands raised, I want to see you after the service. <laughs> All of us, we, right, you behave differently when there's a person of authority in your midst. How many of you when you're a teenager were like, Mom and Dad, please don't sign up to be a chaperone. Please don't sign up to be a chaperone. <laughs> right? Because the moment Mom and Dad are a chaperone, it changes everything. Now, that behavior change is driven by guilt that behavior change is oftentimes driven by fear. But there is a different type of behavior change that should be happening in us and that the Apostle Paul is encouraging here in 1 Corinthians 6, and that is this. Hey, where you are, the Spirit of God is present. So next time you think you're alone, you're not alone. God is with you. This changes things dramatically. That God is present anywhere and everywhere I go. We have so minimized God to think that we can leave here on a Sunday and go out and do whatever we want 
and God doesn't even notice. And come back the next Sunday and think that God's not offended by anything that happened the previous week. Think what kind of God that is that has no awareness between Monday and Saturday. That's not God. That's a created being. The creator has oversight over everything. This morning, do you recognize that God is with you? Tomorrow, when you walk into that meeting, as you're walking in, just say to yourself, I'm a temple. I'm a temple. This is huge. If I could spend multiple sermons on just this one thing, you are a temple. Because we no longer have a come and see in Christianity. The whole Old Testament is what? Go to Israel so you can go to the temple. The whole New Testament is not that at all. There's nothing in the New Testament about build a building and they will come. Why? Because now it's not a building that's the temple. The people of God are a temple. We're taking the temple to the streets. We're taking the temple to our workplaces because where we go, the presence of God is with us. So tomorrow, when that customer comes, you just say to yourself, remind yourself, I'm a temple. Because now that person is interacting with the temple of the living God. It's just so hard to even get our minds around. It's amazing mystery. Think of the value that you have this morning is that you're representing God tomorrow. Now, when someone interacts with you, they're interacting with the living God. And so we have to acknowledge the presence and the purposes of God wherever we are. This next week, start each day by saying, I'm a mobile temple. I'm a mobile temple. Wherever I go, God is with me. Wherever I go, God will seek to be honored. I'm a mobile temple. We need to care for our bodies, not obsess over our bodies. We need to recognize and acknowledge that the presence and the purpose of God is wherever we are. This morning, I think we can completely summarize 1 Corinthians 6 into one very simple sentence. If you want to be healthy, if you want to be a representative of God, that's going to bring glory to God in all things. You have to come to the core conviction that says to the following, all that I am at any time belongs to Jesus. All that I am at any time belongs to Jesus. Not just my soul, not just my mind, my body, my mind, and my soul belongs to Jesus. Everybody in this room, including myself, has a desire to belong. Everybody has a desire to belong where they can be accepted, where they can be loved, where they can be comforted, encouraged. Everybody wants to belong somewhere. We cannot belong anywhere until we belong to Jesus. And then it's amazing what happens when we belong to Jesus and when we're with others who belong to Jesus, there's this overwhelming new sense of belonging to one another because we're working from the same foundation. But it begins by saying, all that I am at any time belongs to Jesus. Let's read this sentence together. 
this next week, we pursue health by acknowledging and recognizing that all that we are in every minute belongs to Jesus Christ. Here's why you belong to Jesus Christ. He paid for you. He paid for you. Now, this might sound a little bit kind of actually harsh or just a little bit odd, like, paid for me. He didn't make a monetary payment for you. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 that he, he gave himself for you. Here's your value, is that Jesus gave his own life to buy you on the cross. That's what he was doing on the cross, is he was purchasing you from Satan. He was purchasing you from sin. You want to know how valuable you are? Look at the price that he was willing to pay on your behalf. He was willing to pay his life. Now he owns you because he's purchased you. Everything you are, everything you have, belongs to Jesus Christ because he has purchased you on the cross. So now, our response to that is to say, with all that I am, with all that I have, at any moment, I want to honor you, Jesus. Because all that I am at any time belongs to Jesus. Let us pray. Everlasting God, we come before you this morning acknowledging that you are the owner, you are the creator, you are the redeemer. And so God, this morning we want to be submissive to you. We want to acknowledge that everything we have is from you. And God, we pray now this next week you'd create within us a sense and an awareness to your ownership, a sense and an awareness to your presence with us. Lord, I want to pray specifically for anyone this morning that's struggling with their identity, their value, their worth by their appearance. God, I pray that today you would capture their heart, that they'd find new security in Christ. I also pray this morning, God, that you would awaken any of our hearts for any of us who are pretending like you don't exist during the week. I pray that you give each of us a new awareness to your presence with us each and every day at each moment. And so, God, we pray now that you'd empower us to be your temples this next week, to declare your greatness wherever, whenever. We give ourselves to you, God. We thank you that you have purchased us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.